Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 247 for August 24th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk about eating well in the field and we have a special interview with the current RPA president, Trish Fernandez. So get your recipe book out because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. Joining me today is Bill in California. Howdy. And Heather in California. Hi, everyone. And I am in Glacier National Park in Montana, East Glacier National Park in Montana. It's a very historically rich area. Yes. (laughs) The Rocky Mountains, it's so, so crazy how just like striking there. I've seen the Rocky Mountains in pretty much every state that they exist in. And then we also went up to Banff in Canada uh, a few weeks ago. And I feel like it was even more striking up there because there's just more like just rock jutting up into the sky, like Lord of the Rings style. It doesn't even look real. Right. (laughs) And it's more of that down here too. It's just crazy. Yeah. Glacier is amazing. I I spent a couple of years when I was a PhD student at university of Arizona doing archeology span projects. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking before we started to record. I think I did some excavations in the campground where Chris (laughs) is at right now. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to drop a shovel at our campsite here, see if I can find anything. You're going to have to go deep, man. <laughs> like I said, it was like 70 centimeters before we started to find the good stuff. So, Oh, my God. It's, nice, it's quite a bit nice. of work. Well, Bill, while you were out here, the little tiny town of St. Mary does not have a lot to offer. And mm-hmm. it's about the closest thing without driving an hour to somewhere else to a to half-decent grocery store. How did you how did you survive with food yeah. in your in your hotel room when you guys camping? Like what was going on? And 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 this is the topic of the week. Bill brought this topic yeah. to us and we're talking about cooking cooking in the field basically. Yeah. Yeah, so the the topic the I wrote a blog post on it actually, eating well mm-hmm. as an archaeological technician, which it got kind of I thought it was interesting responses because if you <laughs> read the if you read the blog post, you you see right away what I was talking yeah. about about no, I'm not a nutritionist, but I know that if you eat taquitos from a gas station for 10 days in a row, like it's not good for you. Probably not <laughs> so, the best thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I had some other techniques to get around it. But when we were in in, in a Glacier, we actually stayed at Duck or uh, yeah Duck Lake, and it's on the okay. Blackfeet Reservation. Uh, let me think. I think there was power to like the one – there was one building that had a refrigerator, and there was power <laughs> to that. And I think there was like an outlet in each cabin, but there was no mm-hmm. running water or restroom or any of that. We had to bring in all our water and everything. Mm. But at that yeah. place, we actually had a, a propane tank, a grill and stuff, and we had a fridge. So 
I guess, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was talking about, we could, we, we did there. Right. But I didn't mm-hmm. have any facilities in my room. My room was just a cabin that had like one outlet to charge your phone and like one light bulb. Right. It was, it was awesome. We took a bath every day in a glacial lake. That wasn't That's awesome. always awesome. If it was 40 <laughs> degrees out or 50 <laughs> degrees out and raining, we just kind of didn't take a bath that day because yeah, you know, just wash your face. It's, it's pretty chilly. There was yeah. like a, there was a boat dock, right? So you'd get in with your bathing suit, get wet and then sit on the dock freezing and scrub your body and then get mm-hmm. in to rinse off and then scrub what's in the bathing suit. And if you have to wash your hair, you know, you do it all that way. Cause to actually be in wow. the water for, you know, 10 minutes sucked. I imagine it did. Yeah. It, you, yeah. So you must not have been here during like the summertime. It must've, or no, even in the summertime, the lake's cold. So yeah. yeah, I was there in the summertime. It never got over like 75 degrees there though. <laughs> it was awesome Jeez. when you're, when you're out. I mean, it wasn't hot, yeah. but then the water is like 50 something degrees. So yeah, you know, there's, yeah. there's no real warming up. You just do that and then go sit by the fire, put on your clothes and mm-hmm. go sit by the fire. Nice. Yeah, nice. Crazy times. I had a blast. It's like a good life actually. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, and there's no yeah. cell reception, no Wi-Fi, no monkey yeah. business nice. to distract you. Just hang out and read books and, you know, whittle by the Get fireside. Yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of your strategies sure. for hotel room, hotel sure. room living. Yeah, the, the blog post came out because a couple of years ago we were talking about this. But then mm-hmm. when I was doing the field school this summer, someone asked me, you know, well, what are you eating for breakfast before you go to the field? And I was thinking like kind of what I eat normally. (laughs) But but then I realized that, you know, not all of the people were really used to eating breakfast or whatever. I kind of suggest that people do that. And then definitely for lunch, Mm -hmm. you have to bring your own lunch. Some folks are students where they can just go to residence halls and eat or just go to a restaurant. Well, there's no restaurants when you're out in the field and, you know, you have to prepare for yourself. So, yeah. You know, over over the years I've figured out stuff that I like to eat that's good in the in when it's hot, good when it's cold. If it gets frozen partially, it's still mm-hmm. edible and not disgusting, right? Like don't mm-hmm. eat, don't eat frozen pad thai is something I learned. It's not fun yeah. to eat it and, you know, a block of noodles is not delicious. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, but then I started to think about, you know, how did I even know all this stuff? It's because for years when I was a field tech, I used to save my per diem. And I did that a lot of times by just eating what was on the free breakfast bar and bringing mm-hmm. groceries from home. Yeah. So then the question is like, well, how do you cook all the stuff? And and there were some folks, you know, there's there's a couple different techniques. Some people are, you know, uh, they responded that they bring an entire Rubbermaid tote full of, you know, uh, Instapots and all this other stuff. And I was a lot of times I'd be in a truck and the companies I worked for, like there was five chairs in the truck. That means there's five people who are riding in that truck all the way to the field. So the bed mm-hmm. of the truck has to hold all your equipment plus all your field gear and the water. And like, you know, we don't have space for each person to bring a Rubbermaid tote of Instapots and, you know, right. crock pots, right? So it's got to fit in your duffel bag or your roller bag or whatever you bring. And I just over time figured out this mess kit that was just one of those white boiler pots. I don't know, like mm-hmm. a hot pot thing yeah. where you can boil water. And then I had a ceramic bowl that fits in that. And then I had like a, I cut a, a sponge as like a sink sponge into a smaller mm-hmm. wedge and then had a thing of a, a dishwashing liquid. And so Mm -hmm. all that stuff nested together and then I could fit the other stuff in my bag along with my clothes and everything else. 
So I was only bringing one bag and then I had my field backpack. And with that, you know, I, it, it was kind of in the beginning, it was like, you know, making ramen and stuff, but that's not really fulfilling. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know, uh, you're making me think about something that I never really thought about before. Companies often, you know, for an excavation, they provide all these things, obviously screens and shovels. And, and a lot of times, you know, I've been with companies that even provided a dig kit, like my very first big excavation down in Miami, you, you walked on site and they gave you a bucket with all kinds of stuff in it. it, had a line level, a trowel. I mean, a lot of people show up at these things, but they didn't care. They just here, take all these things. And it had all this stuff in yeah. it and you just, yeah. And you just got to keep it right. Now I haven't worked for a lot of companies. I, I can one, there's one I can think of in Nevada that was particularly irritating for a couple like Rachel and I, where we lived basically out of our truck and we had everything with us. And he basically didn't get paid for the trip out to the basically field hotel room for the for the yeah. 10 day session unless you were well it was an eight day session they did eight and six unless you were in the field vehicle and i'm like well we have to take our trucks so we just decided one of us would ride in the field vehicle so one of us would get paid and then the other one was taking our vehicle but either way a lot of those guys they just they just got to the point where they they were taking less and less and they were taking like this one guy brought like a backpack with all his clothes in it and then he did unload those clothes and then that backpack was his like field pack for the week obviously yeah. but they weren't able they, there was no space for them to bring anything else and i'm wondering why don't companies just put together that rubbermaid tub with the instant pot yeah. with the cook thing with mm -hmm. all that stuff and everybody just kind of shares it yeah you guys do yeah. that heather you know we don't do <clears throat> almost all of our projects we we have people in hotels so yeah yeah so i mean are, are you talking about like when you're out camping or you're saying no, no, no. In the hotel. Yeah, I'm just talking I, about like when we stay in hotels. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Well, why doesn't the company really provide good, that stuff? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I don't think we have, but I definitely, I mean, it's definitely putting that on my radar. I think that that yeah. would be a great, a great idea, especially for yeah. for newer professionals who don't even know. I mean, like they're caught off guard. It's a good way of training <laughs> for them to to know that you know what what they could have. And what they should have as long as it's explained to them that not all companies do that <laughs> sure um, sure i think it's a great idea it'd be a it'd be a good precedent to set though yeah and yeah. you could yeah. even you what would be super fun too is from people who you have working for you in the field you could even collect recipes that are you know yep. used by this equipment and then you know hand out a little pdf recipe book or something yeah. like that collected from you know that. employees yeah that'd be, that'd be really cool that's how the that's how the blog post first started too with recipes because yeah. that was the thing like yeah. you know I if you you bring that stuff then you just get burned out on eating you know soup and ramen every day mm -hmm. so you got to figure out what you're gonna do and the the other thing too that I guess I guess we can talk about this in the next segment because it's a much bigger thing but our health man like <laughs> I'm 43 yeah. and yeah. there's some yeah. people whose health is hammered in archaeology because. And I do strongly feel like what you're eating is like one thing that determines how healthy you're going to be. And I know some people can't necessarily get healthy food all the time. And a lot of mm -hmm. times we're going to these cities where they don't have any grocery store. Right. So that was also a common thing that way out there in uh, Arizona. Yeah. There's just a, you know, a mining community and that's it in a gas station that has, you know, like you know, mini tacos that are sitting there all day and corn dogs. And that's like all your resources that you can get. Yeah. And some companies are, you know, 
all about the miles and like, how far did you drive? Did you drive another 80 miles to go get food and Mm -hmm. back? You know, like how come you use the company vehicle and stuff? But then also if you've been out there for 10 hours and it's 103 degrees and you get to your hotel room, you know, how, how likely is it that you're going to want to drive to the nearest town that has a Safeway? Pretty unlikely. And you know, the other folks in the field, they don't want to go either. So then you got to sit there and beg to get the truck to drive. And then sometimes there's weird rules on the trucks and all that stuff. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you just were able to go to your room and you had, you know, some vegetables or some kind of, you know, dried food or something like that, that you could just cook and put together and eat a meal that's warm and, you know, doesn't have deep fat grease all over it, then, you know, you're going to survive a lot longer. And I mean, seriously, I have seen it in the short term of folks that don't bring anything and every night they eat out and they have a huge burger and, you know, fries every evening and every morning they eat cereal off the breakfast bar and every lunch they just have like leftover cereal or leftover French fries and stuff. After four or five days in a row of hiking miles <laughs> digging you know they're they're yeah. starting to get lethargic right because yeah. they're just only eating grease every single day and haven't had anything like unfried whereas other people yeah. you know that that spend that have a mixture it's more of a mixed result right yeah. like they seem to have energy at the end of the time and the other thing is a lot of the veterans were doing it too so when i first started off i used to go to the bar every day and eat a burger and all that other stuff and like you know i was in my 20s so it wasn't really hurting me that much. Bodies but, were forgiving. <laughs> yeah, but the, mm-hmm. the old the older timers, they're the ones who are pulling out crock pots and like, you know, putting together, you know, chicken crock pot with vegetables and stuff and eating that in their room. And I'm like, you know, where did you get chicken, a roast chicken or <clears throat> stew? Like, how'd you get that? And they're like, I just made it in my room. And I was thinking, seriously, <laughs> you made that in your room? And then yeah. all of a sudden, after a while, a light just went on in my head like, yeah, I can because I'm sitting there in this room like. 12 hours there's nothing to do here in this rural town but watch tv i totally could make a crock pot and eat it for like two days sure and and that 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 was what ended up happening and the other side effect is that you save all your per diem right so so then you have whatever they're giving you and you know you just have all that money Mm -hmm. i think the saving per diem that's a big thing i think but i've noticed that the younger techs the saving per diem isn't always, they, they've almost given up on it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think there needs to be just as much of a stress on the fact that this is a much healthier way and more sustainable way of, of living this lifestyle um, over time. And we, you know, we really do have to start stressing that to, to people, you know, even in college to explain mm-hmm. that it's not good for you down the road. And it's definitely not good for you in the field, no matter how young you are. Your body needs certain things in order to perform well. And that's why, you know, that's why the military has MREs as much as they may be kind of gross to some people. Although yeah. <laughs> my son insists there's some really good ones out there. Yeah. <laughs> but they've gotten better. And there, it's not just about making sure that the food can be consumed, even though it's been sitting in a packet for a long time. It has very specific traits that make sure that the soldiers have you know, everything they need to keep mm-hmm. going and calories and protein and, you know, electrolytes and, and vitamins. And so, you know, I think we need to really, as a profession, we need to stress that it's not just about saving money. It's about eating what's really good for your body. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I hear that. 
I think what this, what a lot of this comes down to is, you know, what both of you are alluding to is, and something I say literally all the time when it comes to basically all the field work that you do in CRM, especially if you're out on a 10 day, you're in a hotel room, you're camping, whatever the case may be. It's really hard in when you're early in your career, especially if you're young and you're early in your career to not see it as something that's not work. You know what I mean? Like it, like you almost feel like, I mean, obviously when you're at work, when you're at work, you're at work, you're serving. But when you get back, you're in a hotel room and you always associate hotel rooms with vacations until you get into CRM. Yeah, right. Very Party true. time. You get into that vacation mindset. You're drinking every night. You're, you're eating out every night, like you said, Bill. And, and you're just like, you're doing those vacation things. But if you're on vacation for 15 years, you're going to die soon. And yes. it's just <laughs> <Yeah>. not, <laughs> you know, not, not all of us are, are MTV, you know, VJs who can just be on, on vacation pretty much for your career, right? That, let's yeah, let's they, die, they, they, they rotate through them. They rotate through them. Once, yeah. once they get 25, <laughs> then you can't be a VJ, right? You're too old. Yeah. So I don't want it to be that all the 25 year old archaeologists, like when you get to 25, you can't be an archaeologist. Like we need people to stay longer. And, and we think it's because they're too old, but they're at 25. They've got diabetes and they're alcoholics. So they just like can't physically <laughs> do the job anymore. But uh, no, it's it, you're totally you guys are all you're hitting it on the head. It really is a mindset thing. And you can control your environment and call it home. You know, you bring equipment to do things, plan ahead, do different things. You know, um, I'll I'll close out this segment with just one thing that I did for a for a little while, and then a, another brief story. But food saver, right? A vacuum seal yeah. food saver. Mm-hmm. You can do lots of stuff with those. I made soup one time yeah. when it was really like a, a really cold project, and I just, you just get in from the field and you want hot soup. Well, if you make soup. And then you put it, you you freeze it basically into like open like tubware containers in your freezer at home. So do this the weekend before you go out. You make a soup, you freeze it, and then you put that frozen block into the food saver and you seal it up. And then the food saver can be warmed up either in a hot pot, like Bill said, mm-hmm. like which is like boiling water. It can be microwaved. It can be, you know, you can do a lot of things. But in the meantime, it's also ice for your cooler because guess what takes up a lot of freaking space in your cooler? Ice. Yeah. So if you ice freeze ice. half of your food just to get it out into the field. Now, now this is on the assumption that you're going to have a refrigerator in the hotel room. If you're camping, I always plan to like have some stuff frozen that I'm going to use for the first, that I'm going to use other stuff for the first few days and eat the frozen stuff last. Right. Because as it's thawing, it'll like time itself out towards the end of the, uh, the end of the field session. And then just one more quick thing. One of the best field experiences food wise I ever had was working for Moac out of Utah, Montgomery, we, we, we had two different camping projects that we did with them. Lots of people on there, probably 30, 40 people on these projects. And we were all camping. Not only did they bring out a huge water tank on a truck for showers and, and fresh water, and they had this whole shower system set up that they'd constructed, but they brought out a cook. And there was a tent, a big oh, canvas that tent that was set nice. up that everybody could eat in. And they prepared your breakfast in the morning. They prepared bag lunches for you to bring out into the field. And they had dinner waiting oh, wow. for you when you got home. And it was... Yeah, it was. Now you got a little bit less per diem, obviously, because the cooks got to get paid. <laughs> that food, yeah. that well, food costs people, money. Though thirty oh. people putting in money, though. Yeah. I mean, it's not. That it was big. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So I think with that, we'll just uh, call this segment, and then we will come in on the other side and talk about some other stuff that we can do. Back in a minute. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the CRM Art Podcast 247. And I feel like... The first segment was just kind of useless because, well, Andrew wasn't there. Welcome, Andrew. <laughs> Hello, everyone. And, uh, Please do I, not be the monster, Chris. No, I concur. I concur. I mean, hopefully people can fast forward to, to now. Uh, you know. oh right. right. We'll put a note, I'll put a note in the intro that says, just skip to like minute 20 because that's when Andrew Please. shows up. So, yeah. Please. <laughs> Agents and managers are telling you to do that right now. Right for the for the Kinkelites out there, all the uh, yeah. I don't know what your fan club is called. (laughs) Anyway, so for this, it's more like well, it's a slippery slope. (laughs) That is a harsh term, Heather. That is a harsh term. It's you know, it's a shoe fit. That's right. That's right. Well, Heather, he's only here because you were like, you know, his know. his fa- head of his fan club, and that's why he's I here. Know. So. I know. <laughs> that's right. I'm definitely seeing the error of my ways. I'm oh, a slow but... <laughs> All too late. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So on this segment, I think we're going to focus on like recipes and what you can actually cook. And and part of that reason is for anybody listening to this, and I, and I mentioned it in the intro, but we do have a, a completely different third segment. So stick around for that. It's an interview with current registered professional archaeologist, President Trish Fernandez, about the new RPA safety corner. Uh, I interviewed her just myself just a, a couple of weeks ago, and we're slotting that in right here because it's a, it's a good time to put that in. So stick around for that. But in the meantime, let's talk about recipes because we we have in our show notes, Bill and Heather's put some things in there too, but there, there's a lot of good stuff that you can look at, a lot of gear you can look at to go buy. But all that gear is completely useless if you don't know what to cook with it, right? So you can have all the fancy gadgets you want, but you're like, how the hell do I use all this to make something delicious and nutritious? And and also the other big problem is you just got done doing, uh, you know, 12 miles of, of hard survey in the desert and you got home and you're staring at all this equipment going, shit, there's a McDonald's across the street. Yeah. I do not want to do this right now. So how do you, how do you mitigate that? Right. How do yeah. you, how do you handle yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I can, I can start with the easiest breakfast, right? Cause, and here's the yeah. breakfast conundrum. Sometimes you're leaving the hotel before they put out the free breakfast. I mean, that's just oh, yeah. all there is to yeah. it. Like yeah. if you're leaving, if you're in Arizona, I know you're in that truck at like 445. If you're not, then <laughs> right. you're, you're whoever's running that thing is crazy because why yeah. would you be waiting in the summertime for the sun to come up? That's the opposite yeah. of what you want to do. And at, mm-hmm. you know, 445, they probably don't have the full spread of, you know, whatever they've got. Right. So if you can negotiate and have them put out the breakfast sooner, that's great. But that 4am to 5am shift probably only has one person at the hotel working the front desk. And that's a lot of work to put all that food out. So you got to figure out what you're going to do for breakfast. And the easiest one that I used to do was just get a Tupperware of oatmeal 
that already has the like whatever you know whatever fixings like i'd put cinnamon and nuts and like you know raisins and other dried fruit and then also if you you know if you're interested put in like powdered milk and just have it in this tupperware that you can shake up and get all the stuff shaken mm-hmm. up peanut powder and everything and then just scoop a certain amount of it in your ceramic bowl and boil water and then just heat it up and cover the bowl with the you know either the lid of the pot or some other kind of lid or something like that so that the steam stays in there and makes the oatmeal and then just eat that like that was the easiest way while you're you know make your lunch while you're waiting that's like the easiest meal that you'll get burned out on oatmeal if that's all you ever do but it's it's one that you can i mean you when you get home if you didn't eat all the oatmeal you still have delicious oatmeal and you can put in the cocoa powder like swiss mist for sweetening and flavoring and then you've got mm-hmm. this oatmeal that's ready to go when you're at your house, too. And uh, real quick on the uh, breakfast vein, my wife found this really good recipe. We were making this just at home and, and we do it RVing now, too. It's a, the overnight oatmeal recipes where you you put the you use like the she did it sure. in the little single serving like, yeah, like mason jars. And mm. oh, gosh, she made this one that had like. It had oatmeal, it had like peanut butter, and I think we put a little yeah. bit of like cocoa powder or something in it, at least in mine. I, I really like the, the peanut butter chocolate kind of thing. It really just adds something to it. And then I think there's like, I don't know, some kind of milk or something in there too. And then it just sits overnight and it's good for a few nights too. So you can make like a bunch of those and just bring them with you and there, you eat it cold. There's no heating up. There's no anything. You just literally pull right. it out of the fridge and eat it in the morning and it's freaking delicious. So yeah, yeah that's it's, great for where it's hot. Yeah, right. my mom. My yeah. mom used to do that, even eating at home because she was a health nut, or I shouldn't yeah. say what she still is. And um, she would <laughs> put kefir, and kefir has it's the enzymes, so it's it's actually good for your system too. So you know yeah. you're eating something that's helping you. I, I'm I'm sure people are listening that know the word, but I can't think of it. But <laughs> you know when you have those enzymes that are helping your gut work the way that it should, and sure. so yeah. you know she would do that with oatmeal. All the time. Is that probiotic? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, just I <laughs> never was crazy about the flavor, but some people love it. So yeah, yeah. I think it, another thing that you know, this is all about preparedness, and I'm like the worst one when it comes to <laughs> this kind of stuff. <laughs> like, I do not prepare like I should at all. I'm getting better as my body's getting mm-hmm. less forgiving, but I think knowing ahead of time where you're going and what's going to be yeah. available is key. And then taking advantage of what that local area has. So if you're on the coast, I mean, a lot of times we're not, but if you are on the coast or you're in, you know, in an area that has fishing, you know, getting fresh fish and using acidic fruits to cook those fresh fishes, you don't even need heat to cook the fish. So you have things like ceviche or poisson cru, which is a Tahitian version with coconut milk and everything. So, you know, using natural ways of cooking. Also smoked mm-hmm. and canned meats, dried food, fruits, and that sort of thing. Those are really good ways of getting nutrients in without having to cook if you're really limited. But I, I'm personally, I, I love ceviche. So, yeah, and it's really great. People eat ceviche and they don't realize that that fish is not cooked at all. It's cooked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is cooked, but it's cooked by the uh, acids in the Acid fruit. cooked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Andrew. Okay, yeah. Well, first, I think that Heather brings up a great point of using what's there wherever you may be going. And my system that I used to have kind of works on that. And I'll just tell you guys a little bit about my system. It rotates on having a cooler 
and a bunch of Tupperware containers, you know? And so what I would do is I would cook something big, like right before I left, because usually you're going to a job that's not that far away. Like if you're staying in a hotel, it's like three hours away, right? It's not like two days away, usually, right? And so you get there and and you cook like something big that you leave in the cooler. And for me, it'd be something like rice and beans. And I just do like a ton of it, you know, and then I'd leave it in the cooler and then transport it. And then hopefully there's a refrigerator of some kind in the hotel room. If there's not, you can still have it in the cooler for a little while with ice. Mm -hmm. But the stuff I would make would be really basic things. And there's this book called Good and Cheap. Eat well on $4 a day. Oh, my God, I love that. Yeah. And it's it's a PDF. So we could, you know, I could find the link and we can put the PDF. And I love it because it's just it's making simple foods like it it shows you how to cook even just like a chicken. Sometimes you can like a basic baked chicken. You can make that before Mm -hmm. and then put it in the cooler and divvy it out in the Tupperware containers, you know, over the over the next few days. Yeah. Other tips and tricks to augment that I used to do like the fruit trick, you know, bananas. I I used to eat bananas all the time. You just bring bananas. You can keep bananas there. Apples, oranges, Mm -hmm. and grapes. You know, you can keep those there. Those are always better than a donut or a hamburger. Yeah. I don't know better, but they're healthier. Yeah. But exactly. (laughs) We brought up up McDonald's earlier. And when you're there, you, you can eat kind of not horrific at mcdonald's i mean they have oatmeal you know yeah an egg mcmuffin is not horrible like an egg mcmuffin is not nearly as bad as you know like a a big mac with extra cheese so you can you can watch your health at a fast food restaurant you know you made a really good point chris in the last segment about people getting in this mindset of being in a hotel and being on vacation and you know when you're out there and you're working hard that coupled with now you're have this kind of vacation type mindset you want to treat yourself that's one thing you want to do like i've been working hard yeah. to treat myself so one way of doing that is to to do it with little bits don't do it with eating out every day go to the local artisans you know, and and support the local bakeries and buy little things from them. So you get that treat. You get to enjoy something that's really home cooked, but then have that as a supplement. Don't have that as everything that you eat. And that will save you money. Plus it'll keep you healthy. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. So then the next question is what about lunch? Because that a lot of times lunch ends up being the most problematic. When you have breakfast or dinner, you're there at the hotel room with your stuff. But when you're in the field, you don't. So my my favorite of all that's like doesn't require any refrigeration is peanut butter and jelly. Like you can't yeah. go wrong with that. And then it, fruit if you've got it. But also a lot of times I bring like chips or nuts or something like that for the salt. Yeah. Just crave salt and fish. sugar. And so sometimes I will even bring candy and stuff out there like Sour Patch Kids because I want candy. Or I mean, Gatorade, <laughs> if, if people, if, if they're crazy enough to leave me with the Gatorade mix, I'll make it so thick that it's almost like syrup just for the sugar. Oh, like, that is, that I don't feel like I'm getting really, it, it makes you, it makes you thirstier. I think you get thirstier when you drink Gatorade. Yeah. That's just me. So yeah. if I'm going to drink it, then I'm going to make it like super sugary. Uh, and of course mm-hmm. I have coffee. Like I just drink coffee all day until I can, you know, until I run out yeah. of coffee. So, yeah, my lunches a lot of times are, are those really simple things, sandwiches and stuff. I, I keep the tomatoes separate because it always gets like yeah 
soggy. Right. Like your bread just gets soggy and nasty, right. but they're good to uh, eat out there. Sometimes I'll just eat a tomato. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I bring things separate and then put them together. Or I'm not a big eater in the fields because for some reason I just, it does, my tummy doesn't work well with it. So yeah. when I, whatever I eat, I like, I stare away from anything dairy. I'm not lactose yeah, sure. intolerant, but I just, for some reason, it doesn't sit well with me. And then I love the tuna fish in a bag, but, but you do have oh, to be yeah, careful about stuff. that. You don't want to eat that all the time, but yeah. you know, canned, used to be canned and now we've gotten smart as a society and, you know, we put things in, you know, containers that are not as, you know, um, that are more environmentally <laughs> conscious, but are also easier. Like, you don't have, you know, you just rip the pouch and eat it. But to me, I separate things and either eat them separate or I put them together if I actually want a sandwich. But I usually bring it mm-hmm. out separate and put it together in the field. Yeah. Nice. Bill basically eats exactly like I do. Like, Bill, what you described, <laughs> that's like exactly what I do. And I do find that over time, though, the one thing I kind of crave is like a salad. And I'm not even a huge vegetable guy you know but but over the days i'm like i just need oh my god i can tell my body's telling me i need like some spinach or something (laughs) and (laughs) and i've I've found that those like vaughn salads like grocery store salads you you get those in the little in the little plastic bowl you know Um, you buy them like three for ten bucks or so those are really good to take because yeah. you know you don't have to make a salad in the morning it's pre-made and you just take it and they'll store okay especially if you have your cooler with ice you know in your hotel room those will yeah. store for you know they're not going to go bad super super fast so those yeah. i found really make me feel better if i bring one mm-hmm. well another critical thing is is the containers you bring your stuff in those yes. like Tupperwares and stuff, because I, for the longest time, you used to just bring a Tupperware with a rubber band around it, but then liquidy mm-hmm. stuff can get out in your backpack or whatever mm-hmm. if you don't have a cooler. Yeah. But now there's these Tupperware. awesome ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. these ceiling ones with a rubber gasket around it that are like yeah. waterproof. They're pretty sweet. Well, the actual yeah. Tupperware, the actual Tupperware does not do that if you get. Real- no. Mm-hmm. And before we move on to a, a quick our quick dinner suggestions, uh, I'll get two kind of out of the box lunch ones real quick. One of them is pretty easy, and I, I don't really do this anymore because, again, I think you know as your body changes, it doesn't like suit you too well to, to eat certain things during the day for heavy survey, especially without bathrooms nearby. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, a quick thing you can make at home before you even go out into the field is like a really quick pasta salad, you know, with either, you know, spaghetti or macaroni or something like that. You can literally put that in like a, like you make the pasta, you cool it, you, so you rinse it and you cool it, put it into a gallon Ziploc bag and then toss in whatever else you want with it. You can put in some other veggies. You can put in like a, even like a salad dressing, like some sort of a sauce or something like that. And you eat it cold, right? But you just use the bag to like mix it up and then leave it in the bag. And then you can transport that. You could, you know, put that into smaller containers to obviously take out into the field if you want to. And you can literally just take a spoon and eat it out of the bag. And it then and then there's like no waste. There's no container to to carry back. You could reuse that Ziploc bag. You can get the silicone resealable bags. That's what we have here in the RV to kind of reduce our Ziploc bag usage. Yeah. Add smoked meats, add garbanzo. Oh, meat, yeah. Protein. Yeah. 
Whatever you want. Yeah. And it, and it's a really good, quick and easy thing to make. You can literally make this thing in like 15 minutes, right? As long as it takes to boil pasta and mix stuff together, you're done. And then there's little prep in the morning as far as, you know, transferring it to like a smaller container to bring out of the field. And then one other really out of the box thing, and I've only done this once or twice when we were working down in like Tonopah, Nevada in like the winter and it was just sideways moving snow and we're out there in the survey and we're, we're taking lunch down in a prospect pit just to try to get out of the weather. And I had my jet boil with me and <laughs> I did two things. One on like break, I had the French press attachment for the jet boil. So I'd make like a hot coffee on my jet boil at break, like sitting in a prospect pit. And that really went over well. And then also soup. Right. If you take those, remember I told you the frozen soups. You can just toss that down into the jet boil. Put a little water in there if you if you don't want to um, get your jet boil dirty and you just want to eat it out of the bag. It'll just cook in the bag. Or if you can rinse it or something or just clean it later, to be honest with you, when you get back to the room, just do that. But having something hot during the day is amazing. Of course, you got to be careful where you're at because you might not be able to have like open flames or something like that. But there was literally snow on the ground and snow coming around. Well, not snow on the ground. It was like blowing snow that kind of doesn't really stick and just annoying and, you know, like 25 degrees. So that was really handy. We're nearing the end of this segment. I want a quick dinner item from everybody, like a recipe, something you can either make in your hotel room or pre-make and bring with you. So let's let's go around the horn and do that. Go ahead, Heather. Oh, jeez. <laughs> You're on the spot first. What's your, what's your uh, well, choice that you brought with you or you made in the hotel room? For me, I I think having canned foods that you've mm-hmm. taken, like I love gardening. So in the off season, canning some of the vegetables you've used and then just a good marinara sauce, which is actually very easy to make ahead of time, or you can even can it. And having that over pasta or some kind of protein to yeah. me is homey and it, it just, it tastes good. And sure. So that would be no, my that's good. suggestion. Yep. That's good. What about you, Andrew? Well, for me, dinner would be the one that I didn't want to spend any energy on because that's the one where you get back to the hotel room. And honestly, that's you the one that. that I would go out, you know, if there's any <laughs> every so often I would treat myself to a dinner, but on the flip side, when you're just like, I'm in my hotel room and I got, dude, I just need to eat. I have to say that like tortillas are magical things. And I used to just like take tortillas and put honey on them and roll them up or take t- tortillas and put peanut butter on jelly. Like Bill was saying mm-hmm. earlier, but tortilla form, those are yep. so yeah. easy. Yeah. And so when you have no energy, you can just make mm-hmm. those roll them up and you're like, there you go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll give one next and we'll let, we'll let Bill close it out with his dinner item because it's his topic today. My quick one is, is really, again, for colder environments. I think this is really awesome. If you do have an instant pot or a crock pot or something like that, you can often just like, I mean, wake up 20 minutes early, do some preparation, maybe the night before and throw all that stuff in and set the timer. And when you get home, just yes. to the, the smells of something amazing mm-hmm. that was cooking, yeah. that you didn't have to do any effort Amen. for, and it's really just ready to go when you walk yeah, in the door. Yes. It's gold. Yeah. It's go- it takes a little prep, but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, those those crockpot meals, I mean, that definitely takes the cake. And also what rocks yeah. about that one is you can communicate with the other people you work with and one person make the crock one day and then someone else makes it the next day. You know what I'm saying? So you don't even yeah. have to actually yeah. cook every day. You can come home and someone else in their that's their room, they idea. have one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. All yeah, right. You know, I, for me, I, the, I always 
I was a fan of those, you know, pre prepackaged curry packs. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if you have ramen or if you have rice, you can make that in the hot pot. And then when you're when you're getting the water up to boil to cook the noodles or the minute rice or something like that, you can heat up the Trader Joe's curry pack and then mm-hmm. just put that in your bowl. And, you know, you, you have yeah. rice or noodles with curry on top. Like that was the easiest thing that I, I remember making because dinner like, you know, Andrew, once again, that's the meal that I always wanted to go out. Uh, however, when you get there and everybody's taking a shower and it's taking like 30 minutes and now all of a sudden you don't have the energy to even want to go to the restaurant, right, that's where right. now you, now you can cook in your room and just make some, something simple. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right, guys. Well, thanks for all this. This has been really great. I hope we gave people some good pointers again, check out the show notes. There's a lot of stuff we didn't talk about that are in the show notes. It might be some good ideas for you guys to pick up. And then one of the things I didn't mention is how to find recipes. My friend Richie, who we do a live stream a lot of weekends. In fact, we're doing one right after this recording. So if you follow ArcPodNet on Facebook, you can see us go live on on a lot of Sundays, not every Sunday. But anyway, Richie is a big one for cooking. And he says he gets a lot of his uh, his recipes off of like TikTok, you know, social media. And I see a lot of quick stuff coming across like Instagram and things like that as well. Um, If you look for the right hashtags and things, you can find some really quick recipes. And I wouldn't say you're going to get the recipe off of that. You know, the, all the cooking instructions and everything you might, you might get a link to it, but it's a quick way to just flip through and say, that looks tasty. That looks tasty. That looks tasty. And then find out how to make that and, and do it in your hotel room or prep it ahead of time. So with that, I think we'll end this segment. And again, Segment three is going to be an interview with Trish Fernandez, president of the Register of Professional Archaeologists, about their new safety corner. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back in a minute. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, everybody. Here's a, a quick little segment. As a person who's a member of the Registered Professional of Archaeologist, I'm on the register. Uh, I get emails from the RPA. And one of them was about their new safety corner. And they have a whole website. It's rpanet.org forward slash safety guides. And that'll be in the show notes for this podcast. But it's just got a whole bunch of, you know, handy links and rights and and, and things like that. And it's called safety guidelines for archaeologists. And I think it's a, a very timely and appropriate thing to have in our industry right now. So I thought I would bring on president, current president of the RPA, Trish Fernandez, to talk about this website. So Trish, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So what was the motivation behind putting this page together? Well, there's a couple of things and I, I guess I'll address, you know, what everybody's thinking about right now, thinking about the real tragic death uh, right. a couple of weeks ago. But I wanted to reiterate 
But I think it's important for everybody to not perpetuate information that we don't know as facts. Hmm. The company that is involved is still um, waiting for the autopsy. Anyway, so I want to be very yeah. uh, respectful of that and, and everybody involved. But, you know, even the, the idea that somebody could, you know, die from heat exposure, um, it's caused all of us to to be more aware and kind of shaken us to the core. For sure. So we wanted to really, you know, it's the heat, it's the height of the uh, field season. And, you know, what can we do to help share information? So, I mean, we have some, you know, more lofty plans than what you're seeing on the webpage mm-hmm. now, but we wanted to get this out. And it's kind of a hopper, you know, <laughs> we just right. kind of put a lot of stuff in there. And there, you know, there's a lot of things to think about. It's not just safety and PPE, but it's, but it's also health and wellness. Mm-hmm. So that's why as you scroll down a little bit more, you start getting topics about conflict resolution. And it, there's kind of a, a little, little more than just um, physical safety. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The key is, I mean, the important thing is that I don't, I don't think that the general public realizes um, the dangers that we face in the field. And I think uh, the culture of archaeology has been uh, dismissive of those dangers. And so we want to shine a light on that and, and make sure that everybody knows and, and is thinking about this. Mm-hmm. So this is a little baby step. Our plans, you know, we want to make this a little more interactive. And, you know, my, uh, I like wanted to call it a safety corner. This safety tailgate didn't seem appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, we're looking to make things a little bit more interactive. And this kind of dovetails with our our plan for professional development. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really had a chance to talk about that too much or share that with the the registrants. But we want to use safety as a... A stepping off point for uh, training and providing some certifications. But this is all in the development phase and talking about, you know, it's it's, it's really in the in the early mm-hmm. stages. But okay. that's the other thing that we're thinking about doing with this. Nice. And I did notice in case anybody's hasn't had a chance to click on the link yet as you're listening to this, maybe you're driving or maybe you're doing survey right now. But the page is not behind a membership, right? So you don't have to be an RPA member to actually access this page, which I think is a really cool thing, right? You can just click on it. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of links here organized very well that you guys can see. And regarding your comment about, you know, professional training and stuff like that, my God, you know, I've been through professional training. I was in the Navy, uh, had to have a lot of professional training there for certain things I did. Now that was 20 plus years ago, but I've done things like that at various steps in my career. And I mean, you're right. A lot of safety issues and keeping people safe and doing things safe can just come with having leaders that know how to effectively lead and they don't over push when they shouldn't. They don't, you know, step in directions that they shouldn't go with their teams and and they understand limitations and stuff like that. A lot of safety issues can be mitigated by effective leadership. (laughs) I don't think we obviously have a leadership problem in archaeology because obviously we, you know, we have a lot of people that come up out of their undergrad, had never been in some sort of leadership position, then they get a master 
master's degree or maybe even not in their their crew chiefs their whatever and there's there's literally no training to come along with that the only training they have is on the job training and watching other people around them which of course you know isn't always the best example either sometimes so it's it's nice to be thinking that direction yeah it's a huge variable i mean that's that's really um that's a huge topic and that's kind of where yeah. my my heart is mm-hmm. yeah try not to get started on that one <laughs> um, <laughs> right right but yeah that's going to be a that's a real push that's something i'm really trying trying to push okay. as part of just overall kind of overhauling the register mm-hmm. and looking at you know why we were created and what is it that we can do and what is it that we are specifically poised to do positioned to do that the other professional or trade organizations can't do mm-hmm. and that is specifically grievance and credentialing. And so, you know, we're trying to you know, get our organization lean and focused. You know, it takes, it takes a while to do all of that in, in a nonprofit. Yeah. There's a lot more you coming from a running an organization. I'm used to just going, okay, we're going to do this. And so <laughs> it, it's done. Right. <laughs> um, but fortunately there is, you know, other people have to weigh in and I, you know, I've really grown to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're hoping that this, this year will be, we'll have all those things kind of the groundwork, the foundation um, prepared for the future so that there's a, a real solid uh, structure. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we, we go into the bylaws, the grievance procedures, the policies and procedures and employee handbook and, you know, lots, lots of stuff that, that's, you know, behind the scenes. For sure. But we're hoping that the, the programs like this safety corner uh, will, can be the focus uh, beginning in 2023 once we get our, our ducks in a row. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. I would, you know, speaking of volunteers and nonprofits for four years, I think I ended in 2020, right as the pandemic was starting. I was the uh, squadron commander of my local Reno, Nevada Civil Air Patrol squadron. We had up to 100 people. So I was in charge of, you know, 100 volunteers, give or take, and including uh, cadets, so teenagers. And I'll tell you what, even just getting like a few things done when, you know, it's volunteer, it's nonprofit, it's, you know, all those things, it can be a real challenge. So along those lines, I'm wondering, A, how you put this together and then how you're like maintaining it. You know, is there a a group of registrants that are maintaining this? Can people submit stuff that they think might be able to go into the safety corner area or or any other area of the register? Or or is this kind of like it for now and then we're expanding on it later? All of the above, Chris. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, we wanted to throw something out there that, that people can start looking at. But we are open for um, suggestions. So this will be managed by staff mm-hmm. and the content will need to go through our executive director and also our professional development chair. Sure. He actually, that's Matt Emerson. He is actually the person that put a lot of this together. He put together, I think he, he wrote a paper for the SAA. Mm-hmm that included a lot of this information. So we just like, yeah, this is great. Just let's, let's use that. So trying to, you know, not recreating the wheel, Mm -hmm. but we are definitely open for suggestions always Okay. in terms of content and 
you know, how to make this more accessible mm-hmm. and relevant. I mean, that's really what I've been focusing on is in my tenure here is you know, how do we make the RPA relevant for all working archaeologists, not just right. registrants. Okay, sounds good. Well, anything else you would uh, like us to know about the the safety corner or anything, anybody listening to this? Because, of, of course, not everybody listening to this is a member of the RPA. I, I would imagine there's a, a fair number that are listening to this, but I know, right? <laughs> but we actually have a fair number of people from the UK as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. And, well, you know, the UK has CIFA, but we also are, you know, right. international. You know, I... I'm glad you said that not a lot of the, you know, some people are not RPAs and that's, that's really another thing that I'm really trying to address, Mm -hmm. but it's not as easy as it, as it sounds. But, but the initial thing we want to do is, is create a student category of registration. Mm. And because we can't do professional development and we can't serve professional archeologists if we're not including all working archaeologists in the RPA. Right. So that's really very important to me. And I think it's something that, that the organization has, has really fallen short. You know, we were created mm-hmm. from SOPA in the 90s. And there has not been, I, in my opinion, enough updating and going back to the profession and making sure that we you know, we're relevant, you know, and, and mm-hmm. we're advocating for the archaeologists, not in terms of legislation, but for the working archaeologists and very much about the, the worker, because that's that's where, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a no brainer. And that's really important, too, because actually the last episode we recorded, which actually hasn't released as as of you and I talking here, but it releases next week. We interviewed uh, a woman that works with one of our co-hosts, and she's been in archaeology for like 16 years. She does not have a graduate degree, but she is RPA. Um, She got in, you know, she got in because of her work, right? She's been doing a lot of things, and the whole discussion was around how she's not necessarily seen as a professional by some people that she's worked with. She's not put on reports. She's not acknowledged and all because she doesn't have a graduate degree. And it's a, it's a real problem in our profession. And I think a big step forward was the, the RPA recognizing people who don't have graduate degrees with the other levels of the register, you know, a couple of years ago, and hopefully that can expand and, and take off more so we can, you know, get that recognition that people need and support. Yeah, I think it's a good start. Honestly, I don't think it's it's enough, but I don't I don't think that the people that started it or approved mm-hmm. it thought that it was enough either. Sure. But it's it's a kind of momentum the momentum that we have to keep keep on. You know, I've been in I've been in RPA since 2001. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, before I became president, I really didn't know much about the organization, but I but I believed in the idea and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on to tell our listeners about this and, and hopefully everybody goes and checks it out again. That website is rpanet.org forward slash safety guides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So yeah, it's down in the show notes and you can check that out. And again, you don't need to actually be a member to see this particular page. So um, that's yeah. really good. Check it out and see what you can learn. Yeah. I wanted to say too, if anybody has any questions or comments, feel free to email me. 
or <laughs> or call me. Um, my information mm-hmm. is on the on the website. I'm really really interested in hearing from people out there. I think you know. A long time ago, I started the archaeo- archaeological technicians webpage, and for personal reasons, right. I had to I had to um, stop managing it. It got too big. <laughs> but the more that we hear from you in the field, what you need and what you want and what you're seeing, the better we can serve you, you know, as a community. Indeed. All right. Well, thanks Trish for coming on and we hope to see a lot more good things from the RPA and uh, feel free to come back anytime you guys want to talk about new things coming down the line and we'll have to get future, future president Lisa Westwood uh, on board at some point as well and and talk about her term and what's coming up. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. And thanks everybody for listening. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. .com.